This morning, as Christina already mentioned, we're in our fourth Sunday of Advent. It's interesting this year because it also falls on Christmas Eve. But the emphasis for Advent on the fourth Sunday, churches around the world are celebrating, is the emphasis of love. And we've already looked at 1 John chapter 4. It's interesting when you think about Advent, uh, there are probably a variety of different ways that you celebrate it. I don't know like what your customs or history, the traditions in your house are. Maybe you have an Advent calendar with little chocolates or candies or whatever. I, for the first time this year, did something I've never done before. I was at Trader Joe's and I saw that they had Advent calendars for dogs. And I thought, uh, I think my dogs would like that. So I bought an Advent calendar for dogs and I took it home. And I will tell you that every day since December 1st, uh, I've called my dogs over to the kitchen counter. I open up the little cardboard hatch for the day of the month. I pull out the dog treat and then I kind of lean down to my dogs and I say, now this isn't just a regular treat, you know? It's not just like a normal thing you get. This is because Jesus was born, you know? And my family kind of look at me like, what are you doing? And I, I'm, I'm like, if we're going to do an advent calendar for dogs, I want to do it right. I'm a pastor, for goodness sakes, you know? So I'm like, Jesus was born, and you know, trying to walk them through it. But uh, th- this is the look I get every time I'm doing it. Oh, this is all I get from them, this. And... Um, That's Honey, and that's Bruce, and I will tell you, they don't care about the story of Jesus at all, right? The only thing they are focused on is the treats, and I kind of get that. I should have known when I bought the advent calendar that would be the case, but I'm bringing that story up to illustrate something that I think happens in my own life and may happen in yours as well. We can get to a day like today. We've, you know, gone to look at all the Christmas lights. We've decorated our trees. We've put the lights up on our house. We've bought the gifts. We've done all the things. And yet for most of us, we know that story about Jesus exists. And if somebody asked us technically, what's this Christmas thing all about? We could say, oh, well, I know it's about Jesus was born, et cetera, et cetera, right? But in our hearts, what we're focused on is, when am I going to get my treats, right? We're just like these dogs sometimes, right? Focused on what we're going to get as opposed to really thinking about the meaning of it, right? So when we come to Christmas Eve and we celebrate like this together, I want us to slow down and to think about what it is we're celebrating. We say that Christmas is a celebration of the birth of Jesus, but, but what do we mean by that? I mean, are we just celebrating that, that Jesus was born? Are we celebrating that God, the one who created the heavens and the earth, came in bodily form and was found in likeness of man, like it says in Philippians, is, is that we're celebrating? Are we just celebrating like, hey God, you know, good job, you did it. You became a baby, like way to go, right? Is this just a celebration of the fact that Jesus came in a body? Because I could see that being a part of it, but it doesn't really seem like much to celebrate because God is all powerful, so the fact that he could incarnate himself doesn't necessarily seem like a thing for us to sing songs about. It is certainly a demonstration of his power, but if all we're celebrating is that Jesus was born, then we've kind of missed the point. It's not really much of a party. That's just a demonstration of his power. What I want you to think about this morning is that what we're doing here and what we're celebrating It's not just a celebration of the demonstration of God's power, but it's a recognition that in the arrival of this baby, God wasn't just demonstrating the the power to become a man. God was declaring something even greater than that. It's not just a demonstration of power. It's a declaration of love. It's a declaration of his affection for us. God is demonstrating his love for us in the incarnation. When we put up the lights and when we put up the tree and when we eat all the treats that we're going to eat, right, and have already eaten, what we're celebrating is not just that God came to earth, but that in coming to the earth, he declares his love 
for us. In fact, famously, right, John 3.16, the most famous verse in the Bible says, God loved the world so much, right? For, for God so loved the world. And we say that verse, and maybe you know that verse, and we don't always think in the English translation there's that word so, right? For God so loved the world. What I'd like to prompt or provoke in you this morning is a question, how so, right? God so loved the world, how so? What does that look like exactly? He, he loved the world how? Does that mean that he, he created it and he set it spinning in space and he looked at it from a distance and thought, I made a really beautiful planet? Or is there something more to it? God has always been about love. In fact, you can go all the way back to Genesis and recognize that you and I were created to be loved and to love each other. That's from the very earliest pages of our history. God was putting love on display in giving us life and breath in inviting us to walk with him. In the prophetic writings, even in a passage like Isaiah, God is declaring his steadfast love, right? So Isaiah 54.10 says, For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you. And my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. God from the beginning was trying to tell us, my love is different than the other loves you know. And that's good news because if you think about what you know of love from movies or from pop songs or your love, the love that you understand from interpersonal relationships with other people, most of the love that we see idolized in our world today tends to be temporary, it tends to be conditional, it tends to be a little selfish, it tends to be not wholly unlike the love of my corgis for the Trader Joe's advent calendar. Most of the love we see celebrated in pop culture and in our world, most of what we come to associate with love is something that feels good, right? Maybe brings sort of the warm fuzzies, it's an emotion, it has to do with desire, it has to do with what you sort of get out of it. When God comes in the incarnation, which is what we call the arrival of Jesus at Christmas, when God comes, what he's doing is not just saying that he loves us, but he's demonstrating and declaring to us what love is. See, it's easy for us to get disoriented and to feel like love is just a way we feel or it's a, a sense of emotion or a sense of what we want. But God in the incarnation is saying to us, love is something greater than that. Love is something permanent. And love is something that doesn't just sit at a distance and look on. Love is something that moves towards a need and works to solve it. You see, it says in John 3.16, God so loved the world. And we ask ourselves, how so? Well, he so loved the world that he gave his son. His only son, Jesus, was a gift to us. It's not a coincidence that Isaiah says, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The gift of Jesus is for us. It's a movement of God because of his love for the world towards us, to rescue us, to enter in, right? The first century was not that different than 2023. There was hatred on display, there was injustice on display, there was war, there was famine, there was divisions, there was anger, violence, all of the things that you could turn on the news and see in our world today existed in the first century. And God, when he saw all of the brokenness in this world, God, when he saw the individual brokenness in each of us, and I don't, it doesn't take a rocket science to know we're busted. If you're a human being and you've lived for any length of time, you know you don't have it all figured out. I certainly know that about myself. God doesn't look at the brokenness of us individually. He doesn't look at the brokenness in our world, the hatred and the injustice and the violence and the division and turn his back. He doesn't look at the brokenness and then immediately look away. 
God looks at the brokenness in this world and he says, you know, I think I can do something about this. I actually love this world and the people in it. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He entered in. I had a a really cool opportunity at the beginning of December. Uh, I had the honor of being invited to speak at an early morning prayer meeting at one of the large uh, Korean churches here in Anaheim. And they had called me about a year ago. They said, every year at the end of November, beginning of December, we do a two-week prayer meeting for our whole church, and we'd love for you to be one of the keynote speakers. And so they invited me to come and speak. I agreed I I had to be there on December 5th and 6th. What I didn't know when they invited me was that that prayer meeting is at 4 in the morning, right? So 4 in the morning, and then they told me, hey, just so you know, the people in our church don't really speak English that well, so you're going to have to do all of your preaching through a Korean interpreter. Now, Here's the, here's the problem, y'all. My, my jokes don't actually land that great in English. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so now I'm not only worried about having to get up at like three in the morning to get ready, I'm worried that none of my vibe is gonna translate into Korean, right? And then they're like, also, all the keynote speakers wear a suit. Okay, so here's the thing. I gotta get up at three in the morning. I gotta put on, I only have one suit, by the way. And if you see me wearing it, someone's getting married or somebody dead. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, <laughs> I'm like, now I gotta wear my suit, which is very uncomfortable. I'm gonna be speaking to people that I don't speak their language and I'm not sure how my Bible translates. And I gotta get there at four in the morning. I was stressed out. You can ask anybody around, people who knew I was prepping for this. I was so stressed because I wanted to honor their invitation. I wanted that church to be honored with what I came to do. I felt privileged to be invited and I didn't wanna screw it up, you know? And so I go on the first morning, uh, it was a Wednesday morning, December 5th, I think, and uh, I show up in my suit, you know, I get out. They're like, oh, we were told you just wear Hawaiian shirts. And I was like, well, you know, they told me to wear a suit, so here I am. I go in, I'm stressed out, my hands are sweaty, my knees are shaking a little bit. I get up in front of the auditorium, four in the morning, there's 1,500 people there. And I'm just like, I hope God will use this because I just don't feel capable, you know. And I look out at the crowd and the coolest thing happens. I don't know anybody in that room. But right over here, about two-thirds of the way back, right on the aisle, I spot a face I know. And it's Mitch, one of the pastors from our staff, Mitch Fierro. He oversees our care ministry. He knew I was stressed out. Not only did Mitch get up in the morning to come to that thing, just to be a support to me. I didn't know he was coming. We didn't actually even talk that day. But I look over and I see Mitch sitting about two-thirds of the way back, and he's wearing a suit. <laughs> this is what it looks like. All right, all right. I mean, that's a very Christmassy picture in and of itself. I, I didn't know he had a suit either, so that was kind of a fun surprise. I will tell you that without him speaking a word to me, I didn't know he was coming. We didn't really talk about it much after. But his presence in the midst of my stress and my fear and my uncomfortability, that he got up early like me to put on a suit like me to come and sit in a room like me, it moved me deeply. It touched me. It was a very meaningful expression of his care and concern for me, right? A tiny little gesture, but he entered in. What we're celebrating at Christmas is not just that God was capable of coming as a human being. What we're celebrating is that it's not just a demonstration of his power, it's a declaration of his affection. That he saw us in our brokenness, that he saw us in all of our blunders and our foibles, and he didn't turn away, he didn't look away, he entered in. God loved the world so much that he gave us his only son, that anybody who believes in him won't perish. You see, it isn't just that we're at war with each other. It isn't just that we hate each other. It isn't just that we're selfish and prideful and greedy and gluttonous. The Bible teaches that we were built for more than that. The Bible teaches that we were all built to be in relationship with God and to glorify him. And you and I both know we failed to do that. The Bible calls that sin. 
that we fail to live up to the thing for which we were built. And the problem with that sin is not only does it wreck all of our relationships with each other, but it wrecks our relationship with God because he's holy. It separates us from God, and that's an eternal condition that we can do nothing about. Jesus doesn't look away, and he doesn't walk away. He enters in. The baby is born. He comes and lives this life. Jesus lives a perfect life, and he does so with a very specific purpose, not just to enter into the mess with us, but to take our brokenness upon himself, to take our sin. When Jesus dies on the cross, you guys, he doesn't die on the cross because he deserved that. He died on the cross because I deserved it, because you deserved it. It says in Isaiah that the sin of the world was placed on Jesus and he went to the cross and he died there to pay the penalty for our sin. Three days later, he rose from the dead, proving that he has the power over life and death. And he doesn't just celebrate, hey, look what I did, What he says upon his resurrection is, this resurrection life is for you too. The Bible teaches that by his grace, he gives us life. The incarnation we celebrate at Christmas is not just a celebration that God was born in a body. It's a celebration that God loves us. And not only does he love us, he loves us enough to give us life. It says in John chapter 1, in John chapter 1 verse 4, speaking of Jesus, in him, that's Jesus, was life. And the life was the light of men. John uh, 1.12 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. He gives us the right to be his sons and daughters. He gives us the right to have resurrection life. You can't buy it, we're not selling it today. There's nothing to trade for. It's not about doing good deeds or memorizing Bible verses. It's not about church attendance. He gives us resurrection life. What's he doing? Well, he's saying, you think you know what love is? Let me define love for you. I'm love. You think you know what love is? No, love is seeing a need and entering into the mess and fixing the mess and giving yourself away. Jesus doesn't just come to earth. He doesn't just die for our sins. He doesn't just rise from the dead. He doesn't just extend resurrection life to those who believe. He also sets for us a model of what love really is and how we who are his followers are meant to live. We read this verse already, but in uh, 1 John chapter four, it tells us that what we're celebrating at Christmas is not just something to be received. It's not just a gift to be received. We're, We're not here this morning saying, hey, isn't it awesome that God loved us all enough that he died for us and gives us resurrection life? Good for us. It would be very easy for us to celebrate it in a selfish way, like the corgis with the treats, right? Look at what Jesus did for me. But listen to the way John describes this in 1 John chapter 4. Verse 7, it says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. He's saying in no uncertain terms that when you see religious people, whatever you want to call them, religious people who are hateful and unkind and unloving, they do not know God. Because when you know God who is love, who enters into the mess, who sacrifices himself and gives himself away for others, it changes you in such a fundamental way that you become a conduit for that love. In our world, when you see people who are claiming to be religious but have no love, remember 1 John 4 says, if you know this God, your life will change And you'll become a conduit, not just a receptacle for God's love, but a conduit of his kindness and his grace. He says, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. 
In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we've loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That's just a substitute. He sent Jesus to die in our place. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one's ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. What we're celebrating today, what we'll celebrate tomorrow, is not just that God came in baby form. That would be a demonstration of his power. What we're celebrating is the declaration of God's love for us. And not just us individually, but God's love for all of us. He declares that in the incarnation, in his death and resurrection. He transforms our life by the gift of his grace. And the intent is that when we sing about peace on earth, when we sing about peace on earth at Christmas, we wouldn't be waiting for God to do something supernaturally. The way in which God brings peace on earth is by igniting a fire of love and kindness in those he has transformed. Peace on earth comes as his love pours into us and bubbles out of us into the lives of our neighbors. In the same way that God did not look at our mess, our brokenness, our selfishness, and all those things and turn away, the God of the universe in Christ looks at us and says, when you look at the news, when you read social media, when you look at your coworkers and your family members and your neighbors, when you look at what's happening around the world, don't look away. Don't walk away. Enter in. You think you know what love is, Jesus says? You think you know what love is? You don't know nothing about love. Love is seeing a need and walking into the room and doing everything you can to repair it in the spirit and the name of Christ. What we're celebrating here this morning is this holy God who came as a baby to show that he loves us and to show us how to love each other. And that's where peace on earth comes from. Would you pray with me? God, I pray that if there are those in this room who've never put their faith in Jesus, that you would draw them to yourself. I know there are probably people here who are at church because you know they, they wanted to make their mom happy or whatever. I just pray that every person in this room would understand how deeply you love them and how that is declared in your coming into our brokenness. That they would put their faith in you and receive the gift of resurrection life that you extend by your grace. And for those of us in the room who've put our faith in you, and are doing our best to follow you, God, will you help us to be conduits of your love, to remember that knowing you is to be people of kindness and generosity and grace in our world. We pray all these things in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.